My name is Konstantin Paradisov, and welcome to the Efficiency Equation podcast. Here we will talk about streamlining production in bulk liquid manufacturing with data and automation. We will explore cutting edge technologies and share best practices. Our goal is to help the shop floor operators, production supervisors, the lab technicians, production planners, and the plant managers to find better ways to improve the process that they work with. In this episode, our host will be Dan Rennie, and he will be joined by my partner, Eugene Paradisov, and me to talk about what we see in the manufacturing plants these days where the plants are still being run on spreadsheets, and we will talk about the benefits of having integrated systems. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is the first of a series of several conversations that we're going to have about manufacturing execution systems. And we've got a couple of topics that have been boiling throughout the past weeks and months, in, especially with bulk liquid manufacturers around order management, transportation management. So we have Constant and Eugene Paradiso right here from, from Eucodyne. And we're going to dive into some of the topics that they've been seeing come up in client conversations and some things that ruffle feathers these days when it comes to manufacturing execution systems. So gentlemen, welcome. And why don't we kick off by talking about the big picture, the big picture of you know, integrating manufacturing execution systems and transportation management systems. What have you been seeing lately and hearing from companies? Where are they in their thinking about this? And what are they looking at? Well, there's a good, strong potential in integrating the systems. And to name a few specific points that are strong between that, between those systems, is that the transparency between the demand and production is very valuable to running an efficient and responsive plant. The operation of production planning is much more efficient when they have readily available demand in front of them and also the receiving portion of it as well so that they can clearly see what's coming in and what's going out. Changes in demand or in receiving are also very transparent when you have both systems integrated into one. So planners, again, can react quickly to those changes or cancellations. The transparency in production planning allows management to see what's going on and how it matches to the orders that are coming in, whether the plants are at capacity and they're struggling to fulfill orders or the orders are lackluster and there's more capacity available, so they need to increase potentially the orders that they're shipping out. This allows them to see the global picture by having those elements in one system. Another important point is that there are tools that allow cross-departmental communication. So people in different roles in the company can utilize the system to communicate. Instead of trying to hunt somebody down by phone, they can quickly grasp the information that they need and also communicate within the system by either leaving 
comments or messages or whatever it is that they need to do that is tied specifically to the point of interest, such as a specific order that they are trying to uh, ship on the short lead time and the planners need to be aware of it, or other similar situations where efficient communication provides a valuable point for the company. Plus, I think it's a big plus that such two systems integrated into one allows for a more in-depth analysis on various known metrics. You can combine the OEE and on time and full and other metrics that feed the data from all the underlying TMS and EMS data sources and provide a nice in-depth view into how the company is operating and where potential areas of improvements could be. Those just to name a few. Yeah. And how does Constantine, how does real-time data come into the picture? Can you even integrate the two systems if you don't have real-time data coming in and going out? So on the real-time integration, yes. So there is this great opportunity to integrate MES and TMS to allow greater, smoother flow of information uh, between production operations and logistics. So what we've seen is that some plants schedule their order pickups and some don't. For those that do schedule them, planners and production can look at the shipping schedule. They can look at their TMS to see what's scheduled to be picked up on the outbound side in the next uh, so many hours. And they can then plan in such a way that they make sure that uh, the product is made available just in time. So this minimizes unnecessary stocking of product. And for those plants that do not schedule orders, it still provides them a great benefit because planners can look at that shipping schedule and see what's coming up. So they might look at the immediate demand in the next 24 hours and the next 48 hours, three days if necessary, and they can cater production to those orders that they have. So having this visibility gives them this microscope that they can use and see, okay, I need to make sure I have this product for that customer in so many hours. You know, so that is where we can see that having those systems integrated really brings up the quality of production scheduling. It's the visibility into the immediate demand. Yeah. And we're going to get to this point eventually, like with almost every single thing that we're talking about when it comes to integrating systems and making operations more efficient, that at the end of the day, what you will have as a major outcome is more satisfied customers. What comes up when it comes to customer satisfaction and, and responding to customer queries and, and requests is, is agility and responsiveness. And I know that at a couple of conferences, like at every single conference nowadays, it's like agility and responsiveness. It's, it's a huge topic. So how does that play into having systems integrated and data in real time? You're absolutely right, Dan. And I wanted to say that this level of integration, I can look at it at two levels, macro and micro. And to start with micro, I'd say that the planners, when they're able to see in their shipping schedule, they're able to see certain patterns and they can say, oh, there is this customer XYZ that typically fails to pick up their order in time. And they might be half a day late or so many hours late. 
And in certain industries, companies are scheduled. And if somebody doesn't come in within so many hours, they're going to pay fines uh, to uh, offset the, the holdup of production. So at the micro level, planners, when they have this integrative, they're able to adjust the production schedule just right. So if they know that a certain customer might be late, they're going to plan contingency to make sure that if they're late, this planner and this plant is not left in a situation where now all of the storage capacity is occupied by something and they can't move forward until somebody comes and picks something up. You know, but for the other customers that actually do pick up stuff in time, they can squeeze more production in because they know it keeps coming in uh, and going out the door uh, very smoothly. And now at a macro level, I'd say that planners and demand planners, yes, they have other sources where they can look at order information like ERP systems. What we're seeing is that it's still more convenient for them to look at this source where they have MES and uh, TMS integrated because any trend analysis that they do will involve looking at some orders in greater detail. And when they want to see that greater detail, they just make a few clicks and they see all of the history of what happened with production, what happened with the order pickup with logistics. It's all right then and there at their fingertips for them. And it's the information that the ERP wouldn't have necessarily. So that's the benefit of having this at the macro level. They have all the information. They can analyze trends and they can plan better. So like demand planners, they can see that the raw materials need to be uh, provided to the planners a certain way because the customers might be uh, dropping off uh, with the demand for certain products or they might be like constantly uh, late or things like that. So it provides a lot of ways to adjust the schedule on the production side and on the receiving side of the raw materials to make sure that the operation is uh, run smoothly. And if the customer, for example, wants to have an inquiry into something, it can help greatly that the customer service does not have to jump different uh, ships and go into this system and go into that system. They can easily go into this MES and TMS combined system where they can see, here's everything about the order you're inquiring, including all the delivery stages that it went through, uh, when it was picked up, when it was on the road, when it was delivered. And here is all the quality control tests that went, went with that order. Here's all the actual production jobs that were executed to create that order. They can quickly locate all the information that pertains to a specific customer inquiry if the system is combined and integrated because that's the agility in getting the response. So you do not have to hunt down different people in different places and different systems you have everything that you need right there and then. Having a mild level of chaos with disintegrated systems, do you have any stories that come to mind with clients where before they had disintegration, they didn't necessarily have real-time data, and you connected their systems, and then all of a sudden, everything was a lot better. So do you have any concrete examples or recent stories of that? And you know, just to tell our viewers and listeners 
what the difference is in the day-to-day lives when you have things disintegrated versus when everything is patched up and wired up nicely and it's smooth sailing. There's a lot of examples of different things in that space. And one example that comes to mind to me at one of the customer facilities a little while ago, the planners were planning production schedule in Excel and the operators in the control room, they wanted to see changes to that schedule in real time. And so the first solution that they had come up with while still keeping Excel was that they put a large monitor in the control room and it was a computer with the remote login capability that was actually just showing an open instance of Excel software with that schedule right on that computer. So what the planner would do, the planner would log in remotely and edit that schedule right in front of the operators. And as you can imagine, now planners and operators aren't actually looking at the same day, same time slot. If they do, that's a problem. They are looking at maybe two, three days apart because the planner should have scheduled stuff in advance. And now that those blocks actually appear on the screen. So what was happening was that the operators needed to see what they need to work on. You know, think of the big monitors at the airports where you see all the departing and arriving flights. They needed to see that for the work that was relevant right then and there. But when the planner logged in, he would scroll the schedule away into the future to put more time blocks on the schedule. And sometimes they would forget to scroll it back. So it was a scrolling war between operators in the control room and the planners. And also, if you just think about it, in the food industry, when they put the the blocks on the schedule, there may be dependencies between different lines of equipment. And so they used lot numbering for showing those dependencies. So they would say that if you're deodorizing something, it should be this product with that lot number that you should be processing. And so somewhere before that, another line of equipment would have prepared that product. But when you're doing it all in Excel, it's very easy for the planner to mess up that dependency of the lot numbers. So now the operators come to actually do it. The lot numbers are all wrong. If they catch it, they might call the planner on the phone and say, what's going on? We just don't have that lot number anywhere. If they don't catch it, they just fill the order with whatever they had. Now, if that happens, then that planner later on finds out that there was some kind of mistake. And they have to do this whole forensic investigation to figure out what happened. So that's where headaches happen with manual scheduling like that in Excel. We've also seen some sites where the schedule is prepared in Excel and it's kind of thrown over to the production side and do it however you can kind of scenario. Then there is no connection between planners and operators. So the operators in that scenario could be operating two or three days late behind schedule. So now when you talk about when those were integrated and they had the system, you have the production schedule edited by the planner 
they can edit whatever they need to edit. When they publish this, everybody sees it. It's all transparent. Now, any inefficiencies can be analyzed. And of course, the operators, they look at it. They're uninterrupted by any of the planner's edits. There is way fewer calls for clarification. The quality of the data is higher. And when it's all integrated and working, you have the planners editing the schedule, the production side, the control room consuming it. There is this collaboration. So you rarely have situations where the production side is two days behind schedule. That just doesn't happen because when they're behind schedule, the planner sees that immediately because when these systems are integrated, there's feedback, real-time feedback from what the control room is doing, what they're working on. They know, the planners know the percent completion of the work that the control room is working on. So when they see that they're falling behind schedule, they readjust the schedule right after that. So there is no situation where there are two or three days behind schedule. So that's the beauty of having integrated systems. Right. And if you bring TMS portion into this conversation as well, not just the production planning side of it, then if you had TMS or some order management system would be part of ERP separate, from, ER, from MES, from production, then let's say there was a change to a specific order, maybe a big bulk order, maybe a rail car, that the change came through within the lead time of the order. Let's say the order is supposed to be shipping tomorrow, but the change came through today, and now they pushed that order, let's say a week or two weeks out because the customer does not have storage facility, for example, at their plant to accept the load. Well, if the systems are separate, you have to think, okay, how do we communicate that change through the whole chain of people that need to be aware of it, which includes the planners, that includes the operations on the ground that are actually making the product. Well, the only way to do that is from some, through some manual process of either phone calling or emailing or things like that and making sure you don't forget to include everybody who needs to know. Whereas when the systems are integrated, then as soon as the change comes through, the planners see it on their screen. They get a notification automatically saying that this, for example, this order was canceled or this order was moved. So now your assignment of, let's say, storage tank where you're supposed to load that order from is no longer there. It's removed because now it's two weeks out. So you can change the planning part of it accordingly and say, okay, we see that it's they're not shipping this product tomorrow. Maybe there is another order that we can fulfill and still maintain our production plan and just use that same product for another customer. Or if there isn't one, then let me rearrange my planning and move this particular planning order into a different place where it's more close to the actual order so I don't occupy storage tank for a long time because that not only removes the storage tank from availability, it also costs money because you have to either heat it continuously. So for example, the, that the product doesn't change its uh, state or it doesn't solidify, for example, or, or something, or maybe you need to continue to take quality control samples to make sure it doesn't go bad while it's in storage. All that stuff is just basically cost to you. So having this TMS and MES together allows you to react to such changes 
quickly and optimize your levels of inventory. Do you want it now? Do you not want it now? Because now things have changed. In desperate systems, when TMS and MES are separate, you have trouble tracking those things. What happens when you bring the lab information management into the picture? So I guess that would be a next step. In, in evolution. Right. Having quality control integrated into this picture allows you for very, very good transparency and visibility into quality test results throughout the whole production process. So if you are making a product that potentially takes multiple steps to be made, to go through, you want to make sure that at every step that the product is going to be potential multiple ingredients are going through, you know it's good. If the systems are integrated, then people that are operating the actual equipment in the plant, running that product through its paces, they get immediate real-time results from the QC lab saying that, okay, this one's good, or maybe this one needs an adjustment, or you know, maybe filter this product a little more. Things like that, when they're delivered in real time, they allow the operations to run like a clockwork machine instead of playing tag with the QC lab. Say, oh, how is it? Is it good? Oh, John's on the break. Okay, well, let's wait until he's back so we know if we can continue, right? This step eliminates all of that unnecessary churn and delays in the process. I have a story on that one. So the before and the before and after, just to add to what Eugene was saying, we were at one particular deployment where the before situation was such that the operators, when they needed to take a sample to the lab, first of all, they all used these walkie-talkie radios to talk to the lab. And somebody might think it's a good idea until you hit a certain volume of communications where it just doesn't work. But they started with walkie-talkies and the samples. Now we're talking edible oils production. Somebody pours oil into an aluminum cup and actually walks outside and carries that cup to the lab. And there's a certain distance they cover and then they bring it, they leave it. And then when the lab technician, the next available one frees up, they'll analyze what's in the cup. Now you may think that's okay, but it might actually rain while they're walking. There might be rainwater added to the sample. Plus, whatever they're bringing, it's not labeled in any way. So now that technician, when he or she frees up, needs to figure out what it is. So they would ask on the walkie-talkie, what am I dealing with here, right? So now fast forward into the future, you have sample jars. And when these systems are integrated, at any point in the process where the operator actually is prompted to take a sample, they print a barcoded label. They stick that on the jar. They put their sample in the jar. They close it. They bring it to the lab. They leave it with the lab. When the time comes that the technician frees up, they scan the barcode on the jar. And all of the information about where that sample came from appears on their screen. And so now the specific test method specifications are pulled up and everything is pulled up for the lab technician to do their testing for that specific product for that situation. So it eliminates a lot of churn, eliminates 
a lot of confusion, a lot of this calling on walkie-talkies, what am I dealing with? You just scan the barcode and you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, and not only that, but also it allows the operators or supervisors to prioritize the samples because you may be running lots and lots of different products through different lines of equipment. And as the people that are actually running it, you may know better as to which samples are more important to test quicker, because if you don't, it might delay production. So prioritizing from the production perspective, that's where you're talking about cross-departmental efficiency, where QC is one thing, production of operations is another thing, but they can influence each other. And this influence doesn't only work in one way where QC dictates what's good and what's bad, but also the operations can say, hey, you have 10 samples there in the queue that you need to get to, but please do this one first. And they can actually use the system to prioritize the uh, samples. So when the QC tech looks at the 10 samples in front of them, they can say, oh, okay, they asked me for this one to go first. Let me do that before I get to the others. That way, it even further facilitates agility in crosswork between the departments and the functioning of the plant. I'm sure that people are listening now and are perplexed by some of the horror stories that they've heard from, from you guys. And what do you suggest plant managers? So if they're living the spreadsheet out and the rework monster is eating them up because they're constantly forced to reproduce materials, liquids, What's the best way? Where do they start looking if they know that they need to start automating and integrating systems and step on the digital way, away from paper and away from Excel? So how does this usually begin? Does it even begin at the plant level, plant manager's level? Or should this transformation begin higher up in the organization? So this is a good question. I guess the answer is it depends right? There are different companies with different levels of maturity and readiness for these projects. And one of the obstacles that we've seen is change management. So what we've seen is that change management is usually the overarching theme in any kind of resistance or pushback at these uh, places. And the level of maturity determines how how you deal with this. So basically, these plant managers need to assess their staff first and see who is more willing for new projects. And what we've learned is that it actually makes a lot of sense to to assess how how much do you break down the change, all the change that you want to make into smaller phases so that your customer can actually absorb that change with uh, less resistance, with less churn. So that's that's very important because... Mm -hmm. Sorry, you mean a lot... internal customer or external customer or both? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about our customers, so these plant managers. Okay. So when they, when they think about such projects, if somebody comes in and offers a huge installation, and we've seen some of these demos and talks of MES installations that talk about two years, four years projects. There was one that was praising themselves saying that was a seven year installation. So when you think about those, 
in two years, I'm not even talking about seven years, in two years, that's a lot of work and a lot of change. And the middle managers, the local operators, the planners, when they see that magnitude of change, there will be resistance. So what we found works better is when you go in a phased approach and you subdivide the project into chunks that are just right for the local population to accept. And that's why I said that it depends, but it is the critical step. So you may think that you want to get off of Excel for production scheduling, for example. You may want to get off of manual handling of lab samples, the quality samples, but you just have to take that one step at a time, find the right partner to work with that can actually make that change happen for you. You know, we've worked with some people where local middle managers perceived these initiatives as a threat to their job security. And so what we have to do is talk to the people and explain that we're not there to take their jobs. These solutions are there to help people to make their lives easier. And they might not believe us at first when we say this. So there's the next point, and it's not obvious to a lot of people. When people think about automation, if you automate a lot, and I've never actually seen a 100% automated facility, but if you can imagine what that would look like, you are potentially compounding your issues. So the incidents, the mistakes, they will happen no matter what. But if you're automating a lot more, then the magnitude of the impact of such incident or mistake is that much more significant. And usually it's people at the end of the day who are responsible for incidents and mistakes. So we don't necessarily want, even if we could, to fully automate these facilities because it's the people on the ground that can react to changes to things that happened that weren't pre-programmed. So the AI doesn't know this, what's gonna happen, like when Hurricane Sandy hit and the water level rose in such a way that it flooded uh, the uh, first level of the manufacturing facility. Like those things were not anticipated, but the people on the ground actually made sure that those problems were dealt with as efficiently as possible with minimal losses. So when we're going back to these system installations, we are making sure that we empower the people, we give them the tools, but we're not trying to replace anybody. We're just making their lives better. And that's the conversation that's part of the whole change management discussion. And then you have to break it up into pieces, find the right size of the chunks that they can swallow, they can work with, that they can make sure that they can test, collect the feedback, the plant manager would collect the feedback from his or her local staff to make sure that everything's working correctly and then proceed to the next step. So did that answer your question? Yeah, and I think you don't need to have a hurricane Sandy hit in order to have problems and then have those problems perpetuate and, and potentially get out of hand. There's, there's a lot of everyday stuff that can come up you can ruin the day if your automated system or your non-automated system isn't ready for it. 
Yeah, and the, the concept was said about the fact that you're giving the tools, it, that is the good analogy. Like you can have pliers and screwdriver and a hammer and try fixing cars. And if that's all you did for the last 15 years, I would say you'd be pretty happy with what you're doing. Maybe you're fixing a car a day. But then all of a sudden, I bring you a lift, I bring you pneumatic tools, I bring you a set of all the socket wrenches you can possibly imagine. And all of a sudden, you're saying, well, whoa, that's too much. I'm not ready for it. And we say, okay, well, try the lift first. And then all of a sudden, you see that he, this mechanic is now fixing three cars a day with the same pliers and screwdriver and hammer, but now there's a lift to lift the car up and get easy access to the underneath of the car. And then I say, well, how about all these uh, pneumatic tools? That's the next stage, right? And I was like, oh my goodness, now I can uh, do 10 cars a day. So this is basically what you get. The uh, first resistance to any kind of change because they think they're happy and they're okay with what they're doing, but you, need to be able to show them that, okay, well, if you do this one thing, do it and see how that improves uh, your overall picture. And when they see the improvement, then, then the appetite starts to grow. Say, okay, first of all, you're not lying, right? You seeming, you, it seems that you being truthful with saying that these things can improve our overall picture in different ways. So let, let me try this other thing that you're now saying we should do. And that's usually how you get them to realize that what's offered is really just a set of tools on the next level that they can take and bring their company forward, you know, and get better customer satisfaction and get more product output and higher quality, all of those things. It's a great analogy. It's like, so same thing, like there aren't less car mechanics needed because of these tools, these advancements. Exactly. You have happier customers because they get their car back faster. You have less burnout maybe because, you know, it's, you make their jobs easier and they can focus on their creativity and innovation that they bring to the table rather than working stuff physically. So I love that. In some cases, that mechanic may actually hire another mechanic because now with all these tools, they have such, such a good customer base that, you know, cars keep coming in and they need more uh, capacity. So it's not necessarily that you're going to be actually cutting jobs. You may actually be adding jobs because now with the tooling that you have, you are able to extend your capacity and do more within the same time frame. And have happier customers at the end of the day. I told you yeah. why you keep coming back. Absolutely. Gentlemen, is there anything that we should have talked about today? We're going to get back to these topics because a million times I can promise you that. Because we can just go so much deeper. I have so many more stories on each one of these points that we discussed. But did you want to talk about anything else today? I'm good. I could add only to the last question of quality control integration. That one big point there is the ability to see historical trends as they tied into the production and shipping. So basically, MES, TMS, and TIMS, or quality control features together. They allow you to do really, again, in-depth analysis of how things are working, where the problems areas are. Are we making the product right the first time or are we doing a lot of rework? And maybe we can address rework in another such podcast, but the, that integration of MES, TMS, and QC allows 
people to see into this issue, not just to know that, yeah, there's an issue, but how do we attack it? This gives the tools to actually analyze what's wrong, why it's wrong, and do whatever you need to do to correct the situation and improve things going forward. Now, if you want to splice it in, one thing I wanted to add, I actually think Eugene made a very good point in the previous question about the tools that we give that they actually, when they make customers happier, that all increases demand. And this is something that when people are threatened, when they worry about their job security with the new projects, they usually don't think about this. What people assume is that their bosses are going to put the solution in and it's going to make them do the same with less. But that's the wrong thinking because from what we've seen, nobody wants to stay in place and do the same. What they want is to sell more, to have greater revenue growth, right? So Eugene's point was uh, very important on this, that when people think about these initiatives in terms of change management and in terms of threat to the jobs, if that company actually wants to grow, then the impact will be that there will be more hiring with the new tools with the increased capacity instead of the layoffs. So I just wanted to make sure that we stress that point because that doesn't get enough attention. Right. I think that's the perfect ending for this first episode. And as I said, we're going to come back dozens of times to each one of these points. And I'm interested to hear more of your stories and experiences. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Dan. All right. You have just witnessed the first episode of the Efficiency Equation podcast. That is exciting news. You are now on your way to start thinking about improvement opportunities in your business. I would like you to keep the continuous improvement mindset. There's always something to improve. Stay tuned for our next episode.